The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Today's sermon is a sermon preached by Elder Ronald Lawrence on the occasion of the Constitution of Blooming Grove Primitive Baptist Church. This service was held on May 27, 2023 at Zion Primitive Baptist Church here in Gordo. During the morning service, Elders Ricky Harcrow and Ronald Lawrence were called on, and Brother Ronald preached a powerful sermon about what we should be looking for in a church and he used as his text 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Due to the length of the sermon, we will not have a song today, but please join us for this powerful sermon by Elder Ronald Lawrence about what God wants in a church. I was happy when I got here this morning. I'm really happy now. <laughs> what a wonderful and blessed message we've heard this morning from Brother Ricky. As he's already said, uh, we've been kind of together for over 50 years here and there, and here we are again together this morning. In the past, I've gotten things in the mail from different people, organizations, and what I got in the mail was uh, a question as to what uh, I thought the church ought to be like, or what would I like in a church. It was a survey. They were trying to get uh, opinions. Well, the Word of God is not a book of opinions. The Word of God answers all those type of questions. I want the church, I want to be part of a church that I can identify in God's Word. Now, I believe if we take a look at the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we can see what kind of church that we all should be or want to be in representing the Lord's church here in this world. I do believe the Lord Jesus Christ set up his church. He said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I believe it's been here for about 2,000 years. I think it'll be here. In fact, I believe strongly it'll be here until the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe his church has identifying marks that we can find if we were just reading study, especially the New Testament. 
But I'd like to take a look at the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 this morning. If there's anywhere in the Word of God I think would summarize the things I am started off speaking about this morning, it'd be found here in this chapter. Now, the church at Thessalonica had a history that we read about beginning in Acts chapter 17. The Apostle Paul went to Thessalonica for the first time, and as his manner was, he went into the Jewish synagogue. It says there he reasoned with them, which means that he discussed the scriptures with them. Then it says, alleging and opening that the Lord Jesus Christ should suffer and die and be raised again. And this is that Jesus whom we preach. And we spoke about opening a legend. He's talking about explaining. He's talking about taking God's word and laying the scriptures side by side. Not that they were rightly divided to teach the truth about this. And so we see this church here at Thessalonica was established really very briefly. Three Sabbath days the apostle Paul went there. And now he was an apostle of course and I believe he was being directed and guided by God in this matter and God used him not only to write 14 out of the 27 books of the New Testament but I believe he used him to indeed organize and constitute churches throughout the known world of that particular day. So we don't have apostles today. But anyway, we find Paul later would write two letters to this particular church. And we go to 1 Thessalonians 1, and in the opening verses, Paul thanked God for them without ceasing. It's a wonderful thing to see a church following the pattern of the New Testament and to be thankful for them. He thanked God without ceasing. And he says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope. Notice these three words here, faith, love, and hope. We kind of run across these in 1 Corinthians 13, do we not? Faith, hope, and charity. And so this particular church here was involved in a work of faith, which means all they were doing in their service to the Lord had to be by faith. Three times the New Testament read where the just shall live by faith. Hebrews 11, 6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. But he that cometh unto God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Notice, God is a rewarder. He rewards those that not just seek him, but they diligently seek him. And without faith, that's an impossibility. So he thanked God without ceasing, remembering without ceasing their work of faith, but also their labor of love. That was the motivation uh, they had for serving God and worshiping God. They, they loved God, and they believed they loved God because God first loved them and put his love within their heart. So it was a labor of love, a work of love, labor of love. And then patience of hope. That word patience literally means to be cheerful, but constantly moving forward daily, you know, based upon the hope that we have within our hearts that God has given unto us. And he says, knowing, brother and beloved, your election of God. Now, Brother Ricky mentioned election two or three different times. Uh, it's kind of hard to preach the gospel without mentioning election. Somebody says, well, if you go to Old Baptist Church, you're going to hear about election. Well, I don't really see anything too wrong with that. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people say, well, you can't hear an Old Baptist preacher preach without hearing him go back before the foundation of the world. Well, a lot happened before the foundation of the world. You, the Lord's people have a history that goes back before, not just to the beginning of the world, but before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, you were foreknown of God, you were loved of God, you were elected of God, 
You were predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. You were given to his son in a covenant relationship. And so you need to know about your history that goes back before even the beginning of time, you see. So I don't see anything too much wrong with that either. So knowing, Brother Milevich, your election of God. Now the word elect, elects, elected, or election is mentioned 27 times in the Bible. Now you can't read the Bible sincerely and honestly without having to come to grips with the fact that election is in the Bible. So what are you going to do with it? That's the next point. You know, you need to address it honestly and study what does the Bible say about election. And when you do that, I think you'll find that when we say unconditional election, we're correct on that as well. That simply means when God elected you, it was not based upon any condition whatsoever. Somebody said, well, I understand election. It's uh, God looked down before time began and he saw those that would love him, those that would repent, those that would be baptized, those that would uh, serve him, those that would persevere, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that would be okay if it wasn't wrong. Okay, but it's wrong. It's wrong from beginning to end. Now, if you want to see what God saw, go read Psalms 14.1, Psalms 53.1. And the writer tells us, the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. And he says, there's none good, no, not one. Now, first of all, he says, and God looked down from heaven. Now, God took the look, and here's what he saw. That there's none good, there's none righteous. They all together become filthy in his sight. Now, Paul, in Romans chapter 3 is going to record these things that's found in Psalms 14 and Psalms 53. But he adds a little parenthetical phrase. He says, there's none good. He says, nope, not one. That tells me that he just puts that in there. So just in case you think there was an exception, he just took it away from you. All right? There's none good. No, not one. And there's none righteous. (laughs) No, not one. Don't even think about it. <laughs> Grandbabies or not, there's none righteous. No, no not one. There, there is none good. No, not one. They got your nature, so you ought to know that right then. They got your nature, you know they're not good. You gave it to them. <laughs> Blame yourself. <laughs> so knowing, Brother Eleven, your election of God. God's people are his elect. Colossians 3.12, put on therefore as the elect of God. Romans 8, 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of what? God's elect. Amen. Peter says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, through sanctification of the Spirit, and be and sprinkle the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I endure all things for the elect's sake, etc., etc. It's all through the scriptures, okay? It's, it's all in there. Amen. And so he says, knowing brethren, beloved, notice his expression about this church here. Knowing brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not to you in word only. It came in the word, but not in word only. For our gospel came not in word only, but it came in power. It came in the Holy Ghost, and it came in much assurance. Now, the true gospel of Christ is going to come in this manner, in this way. Our gospel came not in word only. Now, you cannot preach the gospel unless you preach the word. It came in word, but not in word only. It came in the word. It came in power. Now, for a man to preach the gospel, he must have a God-given gift to be able to do it. He must have received a God call from heaven. That's not just something we say. That's a biblical fact. It takes the power of God to put into the man's heart and soul the desire to preach the gospel and make him willing to do so. It takes the power of God to do that. And then, the minister of the gospel, it takes the power of God for him to be able to preach the gospel. 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, My preaching and my teaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and also of power. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it. It takes God's power in calling him, takes God's power for, in, to enable him to preach it, and when he preaches it, he must preach about the power of God. I don't care what the subject matter is. Uh, it, it's, you know, it takes the power of God uh, to bring these things about. So knowing, brother beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not in you in word only, but it came in power, and it came in the Holy Ghost. And by the way, the word power doesn't necessarily mean volume. Okay, so there's between volume and power, the power, kind of power I'm talking about. But it came in power, and it came in the Holy Ghost. You can feel the presence of God, the Spirit of God. And it came in much assurance. Now, between the devil and your human nature and the world, your assurance level of these things can kind of take a dip, can't you? They, they can just go way down. They can drop drastically like blood pressure. But uh, when I come to church, uh, I get some assurance. And I love assurance. I don't know about you, but I love assurance. My wife and I have been married almost 55 years. Next month, make it 55. I realize I don't look near old enough to be married 55 years. But it's the gospel truth. Come June 23rd, we'll be married 55 years. And we make a habit of telling each other we love each other every single day. And that's a lot of loves right there, I'm telling you, over the years. That's a, that's a lot of I love you, I love you, I love you. And I never said, honey, listen, I know you love me. You don't have to tell me every day. I'm no fool. I'm not going to tell her that. I like hearing that. I enjoy hearing that. And so when I come to the house of God and meet with the people of God around the Word of God, uh, it gives me assurance. My assurance level goes way up, sometimes right off the charts. I like the assurance of knowing that I'm in the family of God, that I am one of God's children, one of God's elect. I'm an heir of God, a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. I enjoy hearing that. I enjoy feeling that. I enjoy uh, the fact when I leave the church of God, uh, the house of God, I feel better than I did when I got to the house of God. How about you? I, have you ever felt worse? I haven't. I'll tell you, I have not. But I leave God's house, I feel better than I did when I got there. Now, why wouldn't I want to go to a place where I'm going to feel better when I leave than when I got there? Now, a lot of people go to bars, but they don't feel better when they leave than when they got there. All right? So I'm telling you the opposite of that here this morning. So we come to a place where we enjoy the fellowship of the saints, but in particular the presence of the Lord. Now, if I was going to go to your house, I wouldn't go if I knew you wasn't there. And you know, I got, it used to be you can go to see somebody anytime you wanted to. That most time they'd be there. But now when you call them, see if they're going to be there, it's got caller ID. And they see the preachers coming. So they don't answer the phone. <laughs> they don't answer the phone. <laughs> so it's harder to go see people now than it used to be. You got to sneak up on them. You, you got to catch them at Walmart or somewhere like that. You know, if, if that's the, if, First place I'd go to see somebody if I hadn't seen them, I'd be Walmart. You can catch them at Walmart. I'm telling you, you can do that. But anyway, Paul says, Knowing, Brother Beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not in word only, but came in, uh, you know, the Holy Ghost, came in power and the Holy Ghost, and came in much assurance. I, I, I enjoy being assured of my salvation. And so I enjoy going to the house of God for various reasons, but certainly that is one of them. Then he says, for ye became followers of us. Now, we've kind of established how we have relationship with God here. But he says, ye became followers of us, having received the word of God with affliction, but also with much joy. 
Now, he became false, and then we're getting into discipleship. What a great difference between relationship and, and discipleship. Discipleship, the word disciple, you know, comes to the word discipline. It means that you are a pupil, a learner, a student of the Word of God. Not only to learn the Word of God, but to apply the Word of God in your life that you might grow in grace and knowledge of the truth, that you might walk in the footsteps of the Master. See, we're all the students here, but Jesus is the Master. I want to hear the words of the Master. I want to hear the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ like Mary did when she set the feet of Jesus to hear His Word. This is what discipleship is all about. He says that uh, having, uh, you know, become followers of us, and by the way, and of the Lord. <laughs> Let me get that in there. Having become followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word of God in much affliction, but joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, if you want to see a little bit that this affliction that comes along with having received the word of God, just go back to Acts chapter 17, and you'll find out that Paul got through preaching them over three Sabbath days that the enemy arose, and there was much opposition to them in the very beginning. That's some of the afflictions that came along with the gospel in that day. But along with those afflictions, I'm telling you, there is joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, Paul says, but it's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, I love joy, by the way, also. I love to rejoice and have joy. You know, joy, J for Jesus, O for others, Y for yourself. That's the way you have joy, putting yourself last and not first. All right, having received the word of God with much affliction, but joy in the Holy Ghost. These were receivers, if you please. Now, if you go to the next chapter, chapter 2 and verse 13, Paul rejoiced and thanked God without ceasing, that when this church received the word of God, they received it not as the word of men, but as the word of God, which worketh in them effectually. God's word will work effectually in you if you read it, if you study it, if you apply it. I'm telling you, it can do miraculous things for you in your life. But I believe to be the, the church that we need to be today, we have to certainly believe that we still have the inspired Word of God before us. This book here is the inspired, infallible Word of God. I not only believe it's inspired, but I believe it's uh, been preserved by God down through the ages. Some people have a hard time understanding that. Listen, if I didn't believe God had the power to keep His Word uh, pure and without error, uh, I wouldn't have much confidence if in coming to get my body out of the grave in the resurrection. Certainly God's got the power to do that. And we do believe in the inspiration of Scripture. We believe in the preservation of Scripture. We believe through the providence of God, we still have the Word of God today that's reliable, trustworthy, we can count on, and we don't have to say, well, I don't know what this means in Greek, I don't know what this means in that, this and the other, just work on English. Amen. Just work on English and you'll be okay, okay? All right, so we believe in the inspired word. We believe in the preserved word. And the church at Thessalonica understood that this Bible right here is different than any other book than any man's ever written before. It's unique, it's miraculous, and it's amazing. What other book can you read for years and, and you don't get tired of it? What other book can you read for years and, uh, you know, and, and thank you, well, you know, I don't get much out of it more, more like I used to one time or another. Listen, the Lord's blessed me to be able to read, okay? I've read this book 42 times from cover to cover. I read it all the way through every year, and every time I read it, it's fresh, it's new. Every time I read it, it's like, uh, you know, I hadn't ever read it before in a sense. 
It's just amazing how God can make all things new. You know, when you look at the moon and the sun and his work of creation, how many times have you seen the moon? How many times have you seen the sunrise? How many times have you seen a sunset? How many times have you seen the moon arise and be so beautiful in the sky? How many times have you seen that in your life? And yet the next time you see it, it's like you've never seen it before. Never seen it before. As a study of the Word of God, it just makes me realize how much more is in there to study. The more I feel like I learn and understand, the more I realize how much there is to understand. It makes me realize how little I do understand, you know. And uh, it's just a wonderful thing when things pop up here and pop up there that you've never, never seen before in all the years of reading and studying the Word of God. It's always fresh. That's why you can come to the house of God Sunday after Sunday, year after year, and you look forward to it just as much today as you did 10 years ago. Because God's presence makes everything fresh. Now my wife's with me today. And she's been with me for my 50 years in the ministry. And my 50, our 55 years of marriage. And she's heard me preach and preach and preach and preach. And I figured it up and I determined that she's heard me preach about 4,000 times. Now listen, you say, have you ever heard so-and-so preach? Oh, I've heard him preach a bunch of times. I must have heard him preach 40 or 50 times. Well, how about 4,000? How about 4,000? And she's hearing again today. She's always hoping she'll hear me say something she hadn't heard me say before. <laughs> 4,000 times. She's, and she still comes. Isn't that a miracle? <laughs> she still comes. So being followers of having received the word, it says uh, in affliction, but also enjoy the Holy Ghost and became in samples of those in Achaia and Macedonia. Here's the next step. Relationship. Discipleship. Becoming an example for other people. An insample is an example, except an insample is something that just continues on and on and on and on. Being insamples to others. It says, and then for from you sounded out the word of God. Now, I believe the New Testament church ought to have an evangelistic spirit about it. I believe we ought to have a desire and a burden within our hearts to proclaim the word of God and spread the word of God and try to encourage people to read and understand uh, the things that we understand. I know God's got to be in the arrangements, my friends, because Paul even told Timothy, consider the things which I have said, and the Lord give you understanding. Paul knew he by himself couldn't give Timothy understanding that he wanted him to have. But he said, Timothy, you consider what I say anyway. And the Lord give you understanding. So that's the best I can do. But I do want you to consider what I say. I want to proclaim the word of God. The, from the church should sound out the word of the Lord. And we've never had the opportunity to sound it out like we have today with social media, right? The websites and the streaming and Grace Alone Radio. <laughs> I could have never believed years ago that the old Baptists would have a means of proclaiming the doctrines of God's sovereign grace around the world, 24-7, around the clock, around the world. I remember getting a, having a radio broadcast and going into the bedroom there where I had to use front office and setting up the little cassette tape, one thing and another, and running all my family out of the house. I said, I can't have any background noise now. And it'd take me three hours to make a 20-minute tape. I'd just start over. I just couldn't get it down. So finally, I got where I could do it live, and I knew I couldn't start over doing it live. You know? And that worked out pretty good. I'd much rather do it in that manner, that way. 
Little did I realize he'd been on a 50,000 watt station in, in uh, Winter Haven, Florida at one time on WGTO, where it reached from the Gulf to the Atlantic. I thought that was amazing right there. But to think now around this globe, around this world, 24 seven, somebody can tune in to Grace Alone Radio and hear old Baptist preach. Can you imagine that? That's amazing and miraculous, brother. I'm telling you, it is. But we ought to have that desire to sound it out, shouldn't we not? I think of the Queen of Sheba every now and then. You know, she traveled a long ways. And she didn't have a nice air-conditioned automobile, nice highways to travel. She traveled hard roads and bumpy roads and pothole roads and, and dusty roads and hot and one thing or another. And she came a long ways. You know why she came? Because somehow or another, it trickled down word of mouth to where she was at about a man named Solomon that was wise. And she heard about his wisdom. She heard about uh, all the acts that he did and his power and one thing or another. And she was so intrigued that she wanted to hear it for herself. Now he's a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? He's uh, Christ's wisdom personified. And so she came there and she proved him with hard questions. And the Bible says Solomon told her all of her heart and then she said, the half has not yet been told me. Now, that's, that's wonderful, isn't it? Yes. The half has not yet been told me. You're so overwhelmed about it. <laughs> I remember going to the Grand Canyon one time. My wife and I went there, and there was this uh, uh, family and this little boy. I remember he come running up there and looked over in the Grand Canyon, and he says, is this what we came all the way from New York City to see? <laughs> Man, he, he didn't think it was worth it. He, you know, he was underwhelmed. <laughs> but we were overwhelmed when we saw it. It was just amazing. You know, man makes amusement parks, but God has amazing parks out here for us to go to. What a difference it is between the amusement parks and amazing parks. Uh, the McCool brothers will tell me that all their history in Disney World, or Disney World, I mean, you know, <laughs> over the years. <laughs> and uh, that's fine. I, you know, wonderful. I like that kind of stuff myself, too. But I always come away wore out and tired and disappointed. But I tell you, I go to the Grand Canyon, Niagara Falls, Yosemite National Park, the Great Smoky Mountains or whatever. I'm telling you, I am overwhelmed. I've never come away disappointed in my life. Now. Never. Anyways, we're here somewhere. They sounded out the word. <laughs> then it says they turn from idols to serve the true and living God. If you can't serve God, if you're involved in idolatry, you just can't do it. The last thing the Apostle John writes in 1 John chapter 5, verse 21 is this. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. We have idolatry all around us. There's the idols of recreation. There's the idols of work. There's the idols of, you know, of entertainment. Uh, uh, there's the idol of yourself. If you don't fall for anything else, you can do that. Look in the mirror and really, uh, you know, idolize yourself. People do that all the time. They think they're, they're God's gift to men or women or whatever. But I'm telling you, if you're going to serve God, you've got to turn. That's repentance, brothers. You've got to turn to God. You've got to turn away from idols to serve the true and living God. That's the difference between the true and living God and all the false gods. The false gods are lifeless, but the true and living God is the one who gives life both naturally and also spiritually. And then it says we are to wait for his son Jesus, whom he raised from the dead. From heaven, wait for, for his son from heaven. That's where he's at. He's in heaven. He's in a place I want to go to one day. He's in a place I left to sing about. He's in a place I left to preach about. 
He's in a place that I have a desire in my heart. One of these days, I'll fold my arms in death and take my last breath. When I do, something about me is going to leave this body. It's going to go right into glory and be in the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, I'm telling you right now, I can't wait. Check with me tomorrow. It'll be a different story. But right now, I just can't hardly wait to wait for his son Jesus. Jesus made a promise he's coming back. Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If you're not so, I'd have told you so. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Where I am, there you may be also. Jesus made a promise. In Acts chapter 1, the disciples saw Jesus leave this earth and go right into glory. And they said, why stand ye uh, gazing uh, in, on this situation? Well, why not? Uh, you'd have been gazing too if you'd have been there, brother. To see a man to, to, to defy the law of gravity, just start uh, going right off the earth, right up into heaven, right into the clouds. But here's what the angel said. This same Jesus, you see, going away, shall in like manner come again. Jesus says, I'm coming again. I'm going to come back. I'm going to receive you to myself. And we're going to be together. Eternally speaking. Now, that's what I'm waiting for. I got uh, a good reason to wait for it because Jesus said it, right? Jesus gave me his promise. He's never lied to me yet. Don't think he will. I'm confident what Jesus said, Jesus is going to perform and carry out and take care of. I can depend upon Jesus. Thank God I depend upon somebody. You know what I mean? He is uh, the one you can always trust, always depend upon. He'll never, ever let you down. who has saved us from the wrath to come. Brother, wrath is coming. The wicked, the evil, are going to experience the wrath of God. The Lord's elect or not. You've been judged in Jesus Christ. God sees you in his son. God sees you in perfection. He sees you through his son. Aren't you glad about that? I'm telling you, I'd be plumb nervous today if I didn't believe that. I thought one day I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and he's going to weigh everything out. Brother, I'm telling you, I'd be one nervous cat on hot tin roof this morning. I'm, I'm telling you, I just, uh, I wouldn't feel good whatsoever. I wouldn't have much assurance. But when I read God's word and I read we have eternal security in Christ, we have the preservation of the, the preservation of, that we have in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That gives me assurance. Of, I know I'm weak. I know I'm frail. I know I'm undone. I know I'm a poor, wretched sinner. But thank God Jesus loves sinners, came to save sinners. If I'm not deceived, I think I'm included in the number. Who has saved us from what? The wrath to come. How could somebody lay in bed on Sunday morning being physically able to get up? And think, well, just think I'll rest in today. And knowing that he has been saved from the wrath to come. And not getting up and coming to the house of the Lord is beyond me. Had a sister tell me a few days ago, she said, I won't be there for the next two Sundays. It just caused me to wilt. They, they're bold about it now. I mean... <laughs> I mean, she didn't even blush or nothing. I won't see you for the next two weeks. I'm going to be floating down the Colorado River. I don't think you can stream out of the Colorado River. I, somebody said, I worship God on a tree stand deer hunting as well as you can in church. I've never heard anybody in a tree stand singing Amazing Grace in my life. 
Don't tell me you can do that. God expects us to be in his house, to meet with him, his people around his word, to honor him and praise him and glorify his wonderful name. Why? Because he has saved us from the wrath to come. May we look at this as a model of what what I'd want our congregation to be. Understanding fundamentally that we belong to the Lord based upon unconditional election. We became followers of him in discipleship. We became examples. And from us sounded out the word. And then we're waiting for Jesus who has saved us from the wrath to come. That word wait doesn't mean to be on the stool and do nothing. It doesn't mean standing still. It means you're serving like a waiter in a restaurant. And so we're serving as we wait for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.